Welcome to Chat Your Own with Candy Ann Noodle, the monthly chat show podcast about all things now, then, and tomorrow. It's a little politics, a little art and science, and a whole lot of feminism. Liberal as fuck. Chat your own. I'm Candy here with Noodle. Hey, I'm Noodle. Hi, how you doing, Noodle? I'm doing all right. You know, we're uh, inching towards the world. Inch, inch, inch. Yeah. One yeah, it is, uh, step at a time. It's the end of May. Today's oh, my. May 26th. I, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, no, it, it does not make any sense. It's 2020 was the world's longest year and 2021 is almost done like 2021 is flying by have we mentioned that time is a construct because it is bullshit we have we We are very very this is all a total construct this is not what did i say today did i send this to you i sent this to somebody i think it was jess I referred to like the matrix. It's just like our reality. Um, and it just flowed right out in conversation and conversation kept going. So I think people are starting to really accept that reality that, is what we've made it, which is all, we've made that, it yeah. crazy fast time is part of that. Really and also the fact that the matrix is still aggressively part of our like social consciousness and the change also proves mm-hmm. that, Time is a construct because how how long ago did that movie come out for it to still be like topically relevant enough to just like casual conversation? What well, other mean, movie in that time is still like I'm gonna make a reference well, to the movie and continue on? Like I just the like, Matrix is a special movie. I mean, the Matrix is, is a we if we you know what if we get if we get into the Matrix we're gonna be here a long time. <laughs> That's fair. I could go for a Matrix watch. Speaking of. Anywho, uh, so this month in <laughs> May, we spoke with our friend Chloe Noodle. Who is Chloe? Um, okay, so Chloe is an unlikely story that worked out beautifully. Chloe is the partner of the child of my father's best friend. My father, who lives in New York. And my father's best friend, who lives currently in California, and they were like, oh, you're pregnant. Chloe is pregnant. You guys should be friends. You live, you live in Los Angeles. Be friends. So there's no chance that we live anywhere near each other. And we're both like, okay. So we swap numbers, whatever. We make plans to hang out. And it turns out we live within walking distance of each other. We're, this at the time, we're the same amount of pregnant. We're both like, we're, we're due within a month or so of each other. And we have the same type of job. And we're like, what? So we end up, we have, we have dinner this one time and we just like fall in love. And it's this big, amazing event. And so we are pregnant together. We have our babies together. We have, uh, we have a parent meetup group called Bub Club. Hey, Bub Club members, if you're listening, what's up? Miss you. Uh, and so we like become real life friends in this totally like unrealistic series of events. Like that never happened. <laughs> um, and so 
we are also intellectually compatible in that we care very much about our jobs and have similar mentalities about work and so on and so forth. And she's fucking brilliant. And she owns her own business and has been working for herself for quite some time. And so we interviewed her about the idea of what having your own company is like out there in the real world and like supporting yourself in your own company. It was good. It was a really good conversation. Um, I think it's really, it's relevant right now so much. I don't know if you've read about this, but kind of like mass people quitting or changing positions. There's like this pandemic, like job toss up out there right now. And people are like leaving positions. And I, I wonder how much of that is because everyone's like, I'm not, you know, not working for crap anymore. Or like, I'm not doing the bullshit because the reality construct and I can't fake it anymore. So it's an interesting time. That's definitely something I was thinking about while we were talking to her. Um, yeah. It's pretty, pretty timely. And similar to the idea of what you said about like people being very introspective and thinking about themselves in this time, because we're spending less time like thinking about nonsense. That's part of it also that people are like, well, uh, what I've discovered is I don't want to work for somebody else. I'm going to work for me. But Chloe had owned her own company uh, for a while, pre-pandemic. Um, but yeah, it was great. And also it was really interesting to essentially bring somebody in and interview them in a way that we hadn't done before uh, and like have a totally new experience where we pre-recorded and like had a full formalized interview. I thought it was great. It was great. It was fun. It was, um, it was a nice pointed conversation. It was, I, I feel like I got a lot out of it, um, including that Chloe just is pretty awesome and we should all be best friends. Yeah, I strongly, yeah. strong support, strong support. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Chloe, thank you for being on with us. I know you're listening and you should be because you're a great guest. And I'm nodding and you can't see it, but I, I am emphatically agreeing. Uh, before we get to our interview, we are going to do a couple of other things. And we have got uh, what I think is, I think this is our official final lock in the F down check-in. We had one last last episode, but I think this is it because we are, um, well, things are, are opening up. <laughs> I, think, I think this is pretty much it. We in California. Um, our mask mandate runs uh, through to June 15th. It's been decided. Um, so we're we're pretty much whether or not we continue to stay home, our location is pretty much coming out of staying at home. Um, so this is this is a secret lock and F down check in, and I need to make it so I can see it in order to ask the question. The question is, uh, how's you and the opening up? Strong medium. Strong. I would I would say I am a strong medium, perhaps incredibly medium mild. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm super fucking nervous. I am nervous. I am skittish. I am wary. I am suspicious. You are suspicious. Uh, and I will probably still be wearing a mask for quite some time. Uh, some of it is because you know, obviously, Revel Which is going to get vaccinated, so we are going to continue modeling mask yeah. behavior because he's going to still be wearing a mask. And I understand that lots of people are really excited to be out into the world. And I'm like, are you though? <laughs> people are still themselves and are, have become more of themselves. So medium minus. 
Do you think that you are that that this whole situation and I'm going to go ahead and count the whole situation being 2016 capping with a pandemic. Okay, so the entire Trump presidency capping with the pandemic. Do you think that this has led to your medium feelings being more about people and less about being sick? Or getting yes. sick or any sort of. Yes. Yeah. I think that I have realized there's a lot of people in the world that I can just do without. I can just pass right on by and things that you might have said, well, he's a Republican, but he's a Republican in one way rather than like a like kill everybody who looks different. It turns out that's not true. Um, yeah, so I, I think it has made me much more, much less interested in people, like, holistically. Wow. Mm. 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 And it turns out, it turns out that my, like, core group are the people that I need to sustain me, and I don't necessarily need a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yourself? Um, I was not planning to answer the question. Um, <laughs> Fair. I um I am feeling well, I have you know, I straight up said this is I I have done all the things I'm gonna do in May. <laughs> like I've had my May people outside new things. I, I I've had my taken all of the load I plan to take of like germs and outside and anxiety in that sense I mean I go outside still but you know what I mean like we hung out without masks with our vaccinated small group we saw people uh I was in your house you know we did these these little steps I have done my like um I did like my first just walk around the neighborhood without a mask on my face I've done you know these little steps um and I feel fine like that's enough for yeah. the time being, I think those but, are you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I feel good about opening up. I, I need, um, I need other energy. I need to rub with other auras out there. I'm coming out there and I'm going to touch everybody's auras eventually. I'm just going to rub all around it. Um, in a clean way. I mean, I think I will probably carry hand sanitizer in a way that I didn't before. Mm, that's a good call generally speaking because i'm a face toucher this is a bonus this is a and bonus. now i'm like you know what Deb? i should stop that i'm gonna i'm gonna carry a little adorable itty bitty adorable little in my my personal pocket situation um i am more than medium on opening and and my my feeling but less than like bounce off the walls excited at this stage in time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Next question, please. And uh, next question is what you reading noodle. (laughs) Two books. Uh, A promised land by Barack Obama. It took me a very long time to read this book. This is a 700 page book. So he wrote a 1,400-page book 
and they like split it in half because realistically nobody buys your 1400 page hardcover dude not gonna happen so this covers from when he like basically was born chapter one i am born to the killing of bin laden which is a very interesting note to end on um and it's excellent it's excellent it's like engaging it's funny he tells a lot of stories in which he is the absolute butt of the joke um he worships his wife aggressively and not aggressively like in a way that's off-putting but like aggressively in his passion about it that he is very conviction i guess conviction is a better word with conviction and like who she is and the impact of his politics and his political life on her and his children. And it's, it's very, it's very revealing and it's wonderful. And I loved it. And I understand why people fall in love with him over and over again. Uh, Cause he just has like, he's such a good storyteller. He's so fucking charming. Like nobody has any business. He is so fucking charming. No, it's, it's beautifully gross. Yeah. Yeah, and he tells he tells stories about like you know the relationships he has with his staff and times that he cracks the whip versus times that he just lets them pile on him and he's willing to like take the brunt and his relationships with other leaders and it's really the whole thing is very interesting and it brought up a lot of remembrances of watching watching the the debates with him and Clinton and watching his evolution with Biden. And it reminds me of all the Biden, like the Biden Obama means that are so funny and like all of these really great things. So I loved it. Um, and I will definitely read the second half of the book for the second 700 pages, but I am glad it was not a 1400 page book. Cause that would have been enough already. And the <laughs> second book is actually, and I never do this. I am calling out a trilogy. And I've only read two of the three books, but the third one is like the next book on my Apocalypse Book Club. Anyway, the Broken mm. Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jeminson is so fucking good. Um, she, first of all, like many years ago, I don't know if you remember this, and I wish I could remember what the name of the book was. There was like this, like, uproar at the Hugo Awards where everybody's mad about everything and they were like, oh, everything has gotten too PC and this is nonsense and the queer agenda, blah, blah. It was her book that won everything. It wasn't these books, but it's a different one and I haven't read the other one, but now I'm going to read it. Um, but it's her. Like, she was the cause of this like, nonsense, right? All the, like, sad puppy That's boys. Perfect. Like, fuck them. She is a phenomenal writer. So, the Broken Earth trilogy, uh, the first book is called something. Uh, the second book is, which I'm reading right now, is called The Obelisk Gate. Um, and the first, the first book is really like this world building. Um, well, now I can't remember what the first one is. Oh, Fifth Season, of course. I just read this. The first book is called Fifth, fifth Season. The second book is called The Obelisk Gate. And the third one, which is the next one I'm going to read, is called The Stone Sky. So it is set in the very distant future here on Earth and in a universe where people have something that is called uh, origin or origin or originy, depending on who's pronouncing it, where they can control energies, like they can control which they pull from the Earth, like they can mm -hmm. control stone and they, they basically like have the ability to freeze people to death. And they're seen very much as 
uh, like an abomination and they are controlled by people who don't have it called stills. And it's like an interesting complex universe and the tension between the two. And like, is it bad to be an origin or is it a superpower essentially? So it's mm-hmm. great. Uh, I'm not doing a good job of describing it, but it is really wonderful mix between sci-fi and fantasy because it is interesting in the technologies that exist and how technology and like civilization has evolved to end up here but also like we're moving around stones so they're kind of magic so it's great i love it i would i would aggressively recommend based on my mediocre description aggressively and also, you've seen those like masterclass offerings, like so and so teaches a class, like she's on one of those, like she's great. Big high thumbs up. Excellent. I am looking at these books now. They all sound yeah. very good. And the first one is like very weird, very strange, a very strange narrating, very, very like stylized. And then the second book is like story. Okay. Yeah, okay. so it's a, it's an interesting shift, but like you buy it and you're into it. It grabs you. Mm-hmm. Um, are not necessarily the use the equation that you're used to. Um, especially when it's something that you know going in is going to be three books. It's going to be right. like you you kind of get used to. Yep, um, I, I'm usually there. I'm usually like one book. I I struggle with series. I get mad about series especially in a book club because you're like we want to discuss things and have an answer you know right we read this one and then like two or three books later somebody was like hey do you want to just like read the second book in that series and everybody's like yes and then halfway through the second book i posit so we're just gonna do the third one next right and everybody was like sweet jesus yes so uh, (laughs) it's been it's been a huge success well, the great endorsement right there is a whole yes. book club all like being on the, yeah, I will totally put even yep. more time into this. Yep. Whole book club situation. That's a very good endorsement. Um, all right. You want to, let's do it. Let's, let's listen to our chat with Chloe. Now, And we are very excited because we have a guest. Yay. Guest. Woo! It's been a little while since we had a guest, so this is a whole exciting moment for us. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to share with you and introduce our good friend, Chloe Bowman. Woo! Yay! Friend of the pod. Uh, Thrilled to have you on with us in our new technology universe. And today's topic is about women who own their own businesses. And you are a businesswoman extraordinaire. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the business? What do you do? What's it called? Like, tell us, tell us about your business life. So my business is called Entrepreneur Entrepreneur. I shortened it for my clients, which is now Entrepreneur CRM. Um, And basically I help small businesses. Uh, I aim towards creatives Uh, to streamline their processes, to streamline their best practices and get them organized, um, get them set up with a CRM, so a client relation management tool, um, or, you know, any project management tool that there's out there. I know a lot of people know about Salesforce, Trello, Asana, 
So all of those platforms, I help them either migrate from working on pen and paper or files on their computer to actually moving it somewhere where they can get data, they can uh, make sure they're responding on time to their clients, uh, getting their administrative work done, so billing templates for emails, just really making it easy for them to get the leads closed into sales um, and get them doing their job, which is most of the time um, like out on the field. So creatives like photographers, you know, life coaches, um, people who are client facing a lot who don't have the time to be behind their computers. Excellent. That's me. Excellent. I love it. That seems like such a useful business because a lot of people start their business yeah. and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just... I'm just going to do a thing and hope somebody pays me. And that doesn't seem like a great way to succeed. And it sounds like you're helping set people up for success. Um, yeah, how, did you, yeah. how did you end up at Entre New? What does that, what does that mean in English? And how did, how did you? So Entre New is, is a French word. Um, it, it basically means between us. Um, and because I'm dealing mainly one-on-one -on -one with clients, I thought it was a fitting name to just let them know that I'm here for you. Um, whatever information you're giving me, it's between us. Um, because most of the time they're giving me bookkeeping information, uh, you know, negative feedback from their clients, even if it's positive, a lot of them you know, feel like it's negative. Uh, but yeah, just building that rapport right out the gate, I think with my name, um, helps them helps break that barrier. Um, but I started with the startup called 17 hats. So they are a CRM and they opened up a like subdivision called ally, which had account managers, um, who were basically glorified, you know, administrators. Um, and so I helped from the lead process to the client process and helped them set up their account, but also help them with their clients. Um, oh, I think I lost you guys. We can still hear you. Can you guys hear yeah, me? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we got you. Can you, you can hear me? Okay, great. Um, and so it started from there. I had about 10 to 20 accounts um, for a year. And, you know, we really helped small businesses scale at a really quick rate. Um, financially, the startup didn't really execute correctly. And so the division of Ally wasn't viable anymore. So they downgraded us to business support, the mm. glorified customer service. Um, the little intercom chat that you see on a lot of websites, that was me um, for a little bit. And then again, you're paying full salaries to customer support, you know, a customer support team that has a load of experience. Um, and again, it wasn't sustainable. So they shut it down. We all got fired. And uh, I remember the day, perfectly. It was after my lunch break and basically just sat in my car and just said, okay, well, what now? I'm in the tech field. What do I do? I come from a sales background. I'm in California. Uh, you know, I quit my sales management job where I was working in retail to go for this startup that I thought would be my career. And I had no idea what was that, what I was going to do. And little by little, I started getting phone calls, emails, texts, 
from my clients. So these accounts that I had that I nurtured for, you know, about a year, two years were contacting me saying, well, what are you going to do now? Can we pay you on the side to do this? What is your scope? What's your pricing? And within the same day of getting fired, this is all happening. And uh, luckily I had some family in town uh, who just, they all started brainstorming for me. Okay, start your business. This is how you get an LLC. Let's brainstorm on some names. You're going to get this started. I mean, I didn't even have a second to breathe or think about (laughs) it. And I had all of the support. Um, so I just took the risk. Um, a lot of my job decisions I've been working since I was about 14 have been just taking a leap of faith, taking a risk. Um, and at this point it was kind of thrust onto me. (laughs) So I took it. I thought it was a perfect chance. Let's make a little bit more money. Now the price that they were paying this, you know, company, they're now paying me in full, so imagine about 10 to 12 clients, you know, paying me this full rate. Uh, it was great. It was magical. Um, so that really gave me a boost of confidence and a boost financially to get my LLC together, um, you know, do the research, get the education on all of the different CRMs that are available. I kind of broke it down into different tiers um, based on the size, the industry, their budget. Uh, their, yeah, their type of business, how long they've been in business. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing that since about 2017, 2016 off the books, 2017 for sure. <laughs> right. um, that's, that's a key distinction. Yeah. Doing it for fun-ish, yeah. doing it for real. <laughs> what, did, what did that first yeah. year feel like uh, when you kind of like went legit on it and you said, okay, this is really what I'm doing? Like how... How did you go from the theoretical to the hard, this is my job? Yeah. um, How did I go about it? I mean, I think for the first year, I was just kind of doing the same thing I was doing at my old job. Um, And when I really wanted to legitimize it, it came down to, do I want to replicate what they did or do I want to kind of put a stamp of approval that I can really go to sleep at night and feel good about. And um, I knew I had to make an LLC. I knew I had to get business cards. I knew I was referral-based. And so that was also another push where I built this rapport with my clients. Now they're referring me to their circle, their network. How do I not let them down? And yeah, that was really the push to why I wanted to make everything legal and real and um, go outside of the scope of only following one rule book. Um, And most, and by, at that time, really everyone would only put a title to me as a virtual assistant. Um, What I was doing at that time wasn't really, yeah, I know. Was it really known? Was it really, um, you know, and still to this day, I get people who say, I didn't know someone like you existed. You know, I didn't know that somebody could actually go into my business and help me um, in a consulting aspect um, without really it being a corporate vision. Um, I try to tailor 
what I do to the client, to the company. And I think that's a different approach um, that sets me aside from a virtual assistant, that sets me aside from a big corporate consulting firm um, that's trying to get them to invest a lot of money. I'm trying to see how I can save you money, keep you doing the same thing, but in a way that's strategic for you to scale um, and make profits, but also keep doing something that you love. I love it. I love that real personal feel of it. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of holistically looking at that first year and like how you've gotten to where you are now and so on. What did you, what did you find that you really loved about working on your own? Like what spoke to you throughout it that helped you to sleep at night, whatever those pieces were, like, what did you love the most about being out there on your own? Uh, honestly, it was just building that organic rapport, um, you know, type of friendship, partnership, relationship with my clients, um, not making it so formal, uh, I think really is what helped me sleep well at night. It helped me just know, um, you know, give me that drive, give me that motivation that I'm doing something that is, you know, it, you know, in a really kind of funny way of saying it, like helping the world, you know, it's, it's, it was how I could in a way help other people and in, in turn help the world because we're all coming back to what you were saying, where it's a lot of people, when they start their business, they don't know where to go. Most of my clients are people who've been in business for a couple of years, for at least 10 years. So we're all going through the motions of, I have something that sells, let me keep going, let me run with it. I don't have time to stop and think and assess what my actual goals are, what my vision is, what I want out of it, what I want to profit off of it. Um, and having somebody kind of pump the brakes, do that research and that work for you, but present it in a way that is, has been your subconscious dream, I think is really, um, really healing for me. And I think healing for them. That was beautiful. (laughs) I'm writing that down. Right. And listening to this, Candy, it makes me think about your editing business, how you're taking somebody's kind of all over the place ideas and bringing order to the universe and bringing out the best of what they're doing. And And it does does feel good. Yeah. Feels. I like a good collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is fulfilling. I wouldn't have said it that beautifully, but it is fulfilling. I think it's a good, it's a good mix. It was gorgeous. And yeah. so the flip side of it is what is the absolute worst part? Right. <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I always see something that's negative and try to turn it into a positive. Um, for example, one thing that I noticed that I really didn't like were people who tried to set expectations, um, people who just really don't let me in fully, um, and then people who 
don't have the time to do it. But once I kind of step in, they try to micromanage everything and not really trust the process. Um, but that's also really hard because again, it's something that's so new. I need to set those expectations and set those boundaries out the gate. Um, and when I first started, I was, I wasn't, um, and it's not that I was being railroaded. It's more of, I wasn't vetting my leads correctly and I was taking everyone in. Um, now there's a certain not demographic, but there's a certain um, qualification that I won't even take you on. It's not about the size, um, your revenue. It really depends on who you are as a person. When I have my consults with them, um, yeah, I mean, really, it, it's, it comes down to like, are we aligned? Do we look for the same things um, within our businesses that I can approach in a way where, again, they trust me right out the gate. Um, one, I'll, I'll give you a clear example. Uh, I was working for a life coach for a couple of years, actually. And I, and he was paying me the most out of all of my clients. So he was my bread and butter, really. Um, and it came to a point where I actually let him go because he didn't have a clear vision of what he wanted and things kept changing. He didn't trust my abilities, um, hired someone else to kind of, you know, uh, give all of the information to who then kind of played telephone and then gave me the information that I had to then, you know, um, translate, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of magic that I do where I can just hear you and understand what you want. But when it's coming from kind of a third party that doesn't see your vision, who doesn't understand what you want, and it's given to me, um, as you know, the high priority, I have a hard time I have a hard time um, being able to deliver uh, the project and deliver it in a way where, again, I can put my stamp of approval on. And, uh, and yeah, I was being micromanaged a lot after working for years, you know, allowing him to scale, doing a lot of things. And, uh, and in the end, you know, I, I, I told him straight out, I said, you need to hire this person that you're you hired on the side, you need to hire them full time. I'll train them. They need to learn a lot, but I will take the two months to train them. And then I'm out. Well, that's very gracious of you. (laughs) Well, again, it's, I'm so invested in your business that I don't want you to fail. And when you think that that's what I want you to do is to fail, then that's when I kind of graciously bow out. Um, and let you kind of leave you with your hands in your pockets (laughs) to realize down the line. I'm a very spiteful person as well. So (laughs) not so gracious as it turns out. Suck on your own. Yeah. Figure it out. (laughs) Um, 
Here's my tools, but no password. I just said, yeah, you know, I, I left them. And actually, it helped me build out another piece of my business, which was leaving them with a best practices guide. Um, so Ooh, that nice. if they ever wanted to hire someone, they can just give them this guide, this packet, and that person would know how to use the CRM, how to use the project management tool, how to communicate with clients, where to find this, how to update a workflow, um, and everything in between. Um, but yeah, at one point it was really just like, who do I want to to connect with because I'm talking to them either on a weekly, bi-weekly or quarterly basis. I'm learning about your business. Um, I'm learning about you. We're, we're a little bit more um, informal where it's a lot of a personal touch of you can't make this call because you have a family emergency. You have this, you have that going on. We have that open line of communication. Um, if I don't have that, it's hard for me to, to, to keep you on. So you got to be a human. Um, that is a very, a very nice point in being your own boss. You can implement that kind of yeah blanket approach, which is, you know, real, real nice when you have to work, when you're working with clients directly. I mean, especially it's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. You have to remember there are a lot of fish in the sea. Um, there are people that'll mesh with you and there are people that won't. And if you're chasing the money, you're really never going to be happy with what you're doing. Well, I guess that's the best advice that you would give. So we'll check <laughs> that off the next question. That's excellent. What's the worst advice someone gave you? That's so good. Ooh, what's the worst you know, advice people somebody always give gave advice. me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the worst advice is really suck it up <laughs> and get through it. <laughs> this, this was when I was working in, <laughs> when I was working in retail, um, and I was an assistant manager and my manager, basically they sent me to the New York City, I got promoted to assistant manager out in and out to California. Um, basically, as a cleanup crew, um, the manager there, they said there was a language barrier. So I'm half French. Uh, she is French Iranian. And so I was sent there in the basically told to go help the employees translate what she was saying. In the end, oh I found God. out that she was, yeah, yeah. So in the end, I found out that it was just a shit show out there. Um, nothing was organized. They weren't hitting their goals. And everyone was fear fearful of this manager because she basically talked behind people's backs. She never trained them on anything. So when they didn't meet their, their goals, it was their fault. No one else's. I mean, it was just like a mess. Um, and I went in there in the hopes I was about 24, 25. Definitely the best seeking time mentorship. Saving yeah. other yeah. stories. 24, like that is your prime rescue time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was absurd. I was there. I wanted a mentor. I wanted to grow within the company. Again, I thought this was going to be my career. Um, and, and it just wasn't working. I had a really great rapport with the owner of the company, the North American um, owner. It's family run. It's a leather goods company called Longchamp. And um, and I would have calls with them every Sunday. We had standing meetings. And I would Sunday. tell them, like, this isn't working. <laughs> Sundays, because I work Sundays. I was working on Sundays. Bullshit. Which is great. Um and I would basically have calls with them and just say, you know, it's not a language situation. It's not a, you know, they're not getting along with her because she's, she's a, you know, a tough manager and she's really trying to get everyone to succeed, to succeed. It wasn't any of that at all. She was just at a BITCH. She was a cold hearted woman. Um, she was very unhappy with her life. She was very unhappy that she was, so far away from all of the other teams in uh, North America. Uh, You know, a lot of the other stores had close connections. She didn't. And most of the answers I always got was suck it up. We sent her to training. We sent her here. She has a work visa. Um, She's been working with the company. She's a family friend. You're going to make it. I'll offer you anything if you stay there for a few years. So really the the response was suck it up, do well. We'll keep giving you money or promoting you. You know, she's not going to phase out. So you need to, I'll be your mentor over the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On Sundays. And yeah, that was really on Sundays. um, And... I didn't want to suck it up. I was working with people. My employees were older than me by 10, 20 years. They were complaining. And I looked at myself and said, is this what you want? Is this a career that you really want? Um, You know, is this a company you really want to work for? Um, And I didn't want to be their age, still complaining at the same spot, sucking it up. Um, So I quit. That was the first job and only job I ever quit. Um, but yeah, that was the worst advice anyone ever that, told that, me. And again, I'm that's out. Good advice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, less, yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. So suck it up. Right, sucks to suck it up. So where do you go now for your support? Like, where? What are your resources that you use now? to get you to better answers. If you're the answer person for other per- for other companies, where do you find your answers? Where do I find my answers? Uh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's support. You have to start there. You have to, I mean, you got to start there. You start a few words and then Google gives you all the search options and then you kind of, no, I'm kidding. You think about um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, for myself, um, it's, it's again, it's not really, su- I mean, it's support on a very, I would say it's a high level type of support that I see that works for myself and it's being accountable. Accountability, um, being transparent, 
talking with others, even if they're not in your fields, um, if they're your friends, if they're your coworkers, other clients, um, family, really just any kind of communication I can have. If I am open with that person and taking that moment to really kind of pick their brains, have them pick my brain, I think you can learn a lot. Um, not seeking the the answers directly from something or someone you know will give you the right answer. Um, having a time frame for it. Um, most of the times we think everything is so urgent and we need to have that response, and it's not. Um, so knowing that the support is in my reach, the answers may not be given to me right out the gate, but I will eventually get the answer. I will eventually understand what I need to do, how I need to look for it, how I need to present it. Um, so it comes from within and then I kind of look outwards. And then I come back inwards. So it's like a two, three parter of just <laughs> sitting down, assessing. Yeah. And it is yeah, assessing. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. There, there, but really being accountable um helps me navigate how how to respond to something. Um you know, in my profession, but also in my personal life. So I hope that answers your question. Totally. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah. But that is small, me. Yeah. Small, small, please don't hear me recording sneeze. You've totally heard me recording sneeze. So the idea of accountability, the idea of making, you know, bringing it within yourself to make those kind of decisions kind of brings us to the last question that we have here is that you've recently had a very big change in that you've gone back into the corporate world. Mm -hmm. What brought you there and kind of how do you feel with that transition in light of, you know, how much time and effort you spent in your business? How are you, how are you doing both or transitioning away? We're surviving any of it. Yeah. Also, also fair <laughs> Well, I'm here, so I'm alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, the pandemic, um, it didn't make me reassess my business. It kind of um, pulled me in the direction of what do I do now? Where do we go from here once the pandemic is done? Um, because I put all of my eggs in one basket and going towards creatives, small business owners, uh, they call them solopreneurs. So people who work for themselves, when the pandemic hit the event planners, I was working with the photographers, everyone that had to be in front of people in, in, at an event just shut down and my referral based system uh, shut down as well. My clients couldn't see the investment in having someone like me really rework the, their infrastructure, 
um, because financially they couldn't see the light. They didn't know what they were going to do from one day to the next. And I was, I went back to uh, like a sales approach and hunting down leads, you know, switching up my SEO, switching up this, switching up that, um, trying to pivot, trying to see if I need to go for the bigger fish, um, downgrading my prices, uh, you know, reaching out to old clients and seeing if they needed me to optimize their accounts. Um, and I realized I just don't have the energy to burn through those hours to hunt for leads and make a profit and, you know, kind of quote unquote, keep the lights on, you know, um, so I was, I wasn't at a critical point, but I knew that I needed to make time to plan out my future, um, you know, towards like the second part of the pandemic and beyond. And um, a friend of mine that I used to work with at the startup, uh, 17 Hats, basically she had posted a job opening. And I reached out to her and asked her, you know, what do you think? Should I apply for this job? And she said, of course, I thought of you first. I already put your name in the ringer. Send me your resume. Let's get this started. So, you know, having um, having worked at this startup that didn't really work so well, uh, it worked really well for me built this close connection with my team. Uh, we already knew what our, our skills were. We knew um, what kind of working environment we wanted to be a part of. I don't think she would have offered me this, um, this opening if the culture wasn't great. Um, I think she knows that I come from a space where I need to have things align with what I do um, day to day, personal and professionally. Um, and so I initially had, uh, you know, applied for more of a sales uh, role that got shut down. And then I went for their customer success <laughs> manager position. So the uh, people in culture is what they call it now. The again a glorified HR <laughs> reached back out to me and said, "We have an opening. Uh, we want you to 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 reinterview for for a new role." And so now I'm a customer su success manager for an AWS consulting partner, and I really enjoy it because it's a mixture of what I'm already doing with my business. I'm still working on the side. I can't let my people down. Um, but it's a mix of what I, I, I do with my business, everything I've learned from all of my past jobs, um, just at a higher scale and better pay benefits. Um, and, you know, colleagues that are like-minded, um, you know, where we know that the world as we we know it is changing rapidly. And again, how do we make an impact and stand outside of 
you know, the AWS cloud, the Microsoft world, the, you know, we're still in that world, but we're making it in, we're making it on our terms. So they're really into like charities, volunteering by 2022, they want to be 50% women, 50% men. Um, diversity, you know, on 60, my first 40. onboarding call, you guys are 60, 40. No, we should be <laughs> just, just a suggestion. I mean, here on Chacharone, we're a hundred percent women. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just I noting. think they're starting off. I've done a lot of one-on-ones with the executives Um, and they're really pushing to being more progressive. I mean, I don't even like to call it progressive or looking towards the future. I think we're in it now. I think we've been in it for about 10, 20 years. Um, thanks to the internet, things are speeding up. Awareness is opening, um, towards society. Uh, I think they understand that. So they're trying to catch up. And that's why they're probably at a 50-50 pace. Um, but no doubt about it, they're trying to become, you know, they understand the benefits of having a diverse company, having a, a, a company that reflects what the world should be, wants to be, and is going to be. So I, I'm, I'm really happy with my decision to go with them. Um, the, the joke around the company is we're all drinking the Kool-Aid, uh, and I'll, I'll take, I'll take chugs of it. I'll take barrels of it. (laughs) (laughs) So last question in one sentence, what's the best thing about not being the boss anymore? Wearing several hats. That's not having to wear honestly. Not having to wear all of those hats is um, a load off. It keeps me from having more of a work on the upper scale and life on the lower scale. Now everything is kind of even keeled and I can see in the horizon life being on the higher scale um, in the future. Excellent. Excellent. This has been a beautiful, beautiful yeah, chat. Very positive. Very um, passion is important. Passion and work. Um, you you both work in um, with people in different places. So you know, different geography, different backgrounds. Um, do you guys feel like this is this is becoming more wonderfully common that? People personally, even when they work for themselves, are looking for that, looking for that kind of connection and integrity in what they're doing. And both in larger companies, corporations, you know, new and old, that that's on the rise. Yes, uh, I think at a very at a surface level, absolutely, everybody is talking about it. Um, at a more mm-hmm. internal level. I'd like to think that that change is coming. Corporate America is a slow grind. I know that I personally am constantly pushing my company Mm -hmm. in that direction. I actually wrote my like year end assessment and I put a line in there about like, I'm always willing to have the hard conversation about where we can be better, no matter how sweaty it makes me. I mean, I didn't put the sweaty part, but yes, like I, I fully believe that people are aligning their work 
more so with, with a company that aligns with their values. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, coming to your point, Vanessa, um, or do I call you by your name? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. Okay. People, they might All not right. know my name. <laughs> but okay, let me restart so you can edit that out. Um, coming back to your point, really just being an advocate in any sense of the word, uh, you know, not only for diversity, but also for, you know, just inclusion, uh, but also with modernizing, I think is super valuable, especially within the corporate world. And for me being half sales, half, you know, client happiness, you know, just kind of account manager. Uh, I know that the things that I've learned, the things that I can pass on to my clients can help them restructure their companies and their outlook. Um, and it starts with us and it starts with us speaking out, speaking up, even though it, it makes us sweaty um, in the long term, it's a world we want to live in and be a part of. And if people don't want to be a part of that world, then they should go back to the fifties, forties, whatever year they're coming from where they're, you know, closed minded here. Men. <laughs> Kick it to the streets. <laughs> Chloe, oh, thank you good. so much. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That, this was wonderful. Thank you for being here with us. We really this appreciate your insight, your, you know, your overall mm-hmm. philosophy philosophy and your willingness to share your experience as, as a woman owning her own business and then in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you very much. I thank you guys for inviting me, for popping my podcast, Cherry. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah. a huge podcast listener. So when, uh, when Noodle invited me, I, I, I hands down, I wanted to be a part of this. Um, wow. And just listening to your podcast has been really beneficial to me. Um, and it's, it also gives me that support uh, you know, that you guys unknowingly offer to your listeners. So thank you. Mm. Well, thank you. Mm. Aww, I feel like the Grinch, like my heart grew three sizes. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. That was fun. Um, I definitely, I enjoyed the, the talk with Chloe from my perspective, uh, where I have been professionally, I enjoyed the, um, Chloe speaks. She's very confident. She she speaks. She knows what she does. She knows what her skills are. She knows what she has to offer, and and she's very confident. So in my in my position, that was an excellent um, boost of just kind of remembering what you what you do, what you have to offer, how to use it. I also like the mm-hmm. idea of work with a purpose. I you do know. Too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I just shove paper around, but it's nice to be reminded that there is there is greater good in the world that you can work towards, no matter what it is that you're doing, as long as it is aligned with your actual purpose one way or another. Right. I mean, there's enough. We got we to gotta imagine that there's enough things to do now. There's enough outlets. There are enough companies. There are enough people. There are enough, you know, we have to start really valuing um doing what you're good at, not necessarily doing what you're supposed to, quote unquote. Um, and you're usually good at the things that matter to you. So it's a wonderful, let's, let's head in that direction. Yeah. Right. I like let's it. Take a, 
I'll turn that way. Um, I think we should political minute. What is our political minute? End of May. So it's a little bit later, but I still want to talk about it. It's Liz Cheney uh, and her spectacular ousting from a leadership position of the Republican Party. So there has been a lot of like, Liz Cheney is a hero for telling the truth and standing up to Trump. And she gives this like really excellent speech the night before, right? Um, it hits all of the Republican hot buttons, the flag, the military, the evil Russians, like it, it does all of the really like good pieces. So that's cool. And she's very much like, she says like, I'm not going to take back disagreeing with Trump, blah, 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 blah. Right. I believe in America. I believe in leadership. This is not it. So it's a great speech. It's moving. It's emotional. It hits all the right buttons, but like also fuck you. Like, you you allowed this to happen. Day one of Trump, there's no way you don't know what he is. There's no way you don't see it. You allow this to happen. You walk along or you quietly whisper or you do whatever you're doing for long enough for him to get elected. And mm -hmm. then while he's elected, you do not, the first time he steps over the line, right? The first time we're looking at the emollient clause 140 years ago. The first time you weren't there raising flags, you weren't there yelling about stuff. The Muslim ban comes in. You're like, yeah, this is close enough to what I believe in. Like, this is fine. So like, fuck your hero narrative. Like, don't tell me that your integrity is X, Y, and Z and your belief in America. Like, nah, dude, your belief in America lasted right up to the point where oh, oh, I'm about to get removed from the little bit of like scrabbling power that I have. And now I'm going to pretend it's because I took a stand. It's not. It's because you suck. Um, so, yeah, I just, it, it's, I'm not, so, like, I'm not sorry for her. I'm like, cool. Like, who cares? Yeah. The thing that sucks, I mean, first of all, and I can't believe they fucking did this. They did, they did secret ballot. Like, what a bunch of cowards. They did, and, and you would think secret ballot would actually have saved her. Because maybe there's other Republicans who are like, mm, I don't right. know what about. Nope. Turns out they're all bad people. They're all like, yep, we're in for Trump, guys. This is it. This is who we are. Like, you can frame it as a, a, a no confidence in leadership. You could frame it as a whatever the fuck you want. But the fact remains that when the option came to reject Trump privately, uh, they all rolled over and said, no, we're actually, we're, we're Trump supporters. Right. So... Too fucking bad for Liz Cheney, but also the chick who has come in to replace her is not good. Uh, Elise, Elise Stefanik, who is unsurprisingly a huge Trump supporter. She thanks him publicly in her acceptance speech. And like, it sucks that she's from New York. Like, that bums me out. She's 36. She's some fucking jabroni. <laughs> it just, it bums me out that this oh, is what you think is supporting New York and like, whatever. Like, it's, it's great that it's a woman, but like, it's more the same. It's another white woman who's going to be out there propping up the male supremacy, patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. Like, blah, blah. Like, it's, you know what it is? Time for it, humans. A new goddamn story. Mm -hmm. so uh you know 
Long live the Republican nonsense. That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> so that is my Liz Cheney. Uh, all right. Uh, that's, I mean, that was an excellent summary for anyone who maybe missed a bit of it. This is, that was the, what is, what is that thing where they do, um, like full movies in, in a minute or something. Yeah. And someone just explains the whole that that was very succinct. That's like <laughs> what's happened and what's important and moving the fuck on. Excellent. Yeah. Political man. Um, so what are we, uh, do you have anything to plug? What do we want to say goodbye with uh, this week, this month? Oh my god! I mean, I mean, it's it's all it's all about the rad mag because God knows I'm not doing a damn thing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, rad mag uh, issue two is coming out uh, first week of July, uh, six thirty seven one are printing days. So yeah, if you're interested, going to candypresents.com and get some info on the Rag Mag. Issue 1, Spring 2021, is uh, available, and Issue 2 will be available soon. Pre-order is available now. Um, and that is also all I'm... I mean, that's it. That's what I got going on. Good talk. Good talk, good talk, good talk. <laughs> good chat. Well, now that I've seen you in person a whole bunch, yeah. this is weird. A whole bunch is twice listening twice. to the two twice. times. Uh, in a month. Twice in a month. It feels like a whole fucking bunch. Well, plus two, three, four, like, video chats. Damn, we've been hanging out in May. We've seen I see you. Next month, we might see, see, see each other. Next month will be the first time we record in person again. hey (gasps) Oh. Yeah. That's how exciting. I'm gonna share I'm gonna share the air with you. Um we love you guys out there. We hope you're doing well. We I, I was more and... excited until you said I'm gonna share the air with you and now I'm fucking nervous. <sighs> I'm not gonna breathe on you. Are you kidding me? We'll probably wear masks. We'll be close. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Uh, whatever. Um we love you guys. Thank you, listening audience, for coming on this. Oh my god, this whole pandemic journey with us. 100% this whole pandemic journey with us. I think um feel really close to everybody, even though we're oh so far away. I don't know. I want you to be far away. Noodles, like, if we could all just start wearing six-foot poles on our that waistbands, would, and that way we know we could hang out. Be sad. Think, we'll start wearing hoop skirts again. Into it. Just a hoop skirt and, like, a brown panties because it's summer in California and it's getting hot out there. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's for real this time. Bye, guys. That's the right note. See you later. (laughs) Bye.